Today's Bible reading comes from the Old Testament book of Psalm, chapter 95. If you brought your Bible or you have a device that you could bring that up, please turn to this passage. Again, it's Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are his people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in Meribah, as on the day of Massa in the wilderness, when our fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years, I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall never enter my rest. You know, one of the first questions that we ask each other in the Drombetta home almost every morning when we first see each other is, how'd you sleep last night? And so I put the question to you this morning, brothers and sisters, how did you sleep last night? Was it restful or was it restless? Was it deep and, and satisfying and tons of REM sleep? Or was it one of those train wrecks of an evening that we probably have all had where you literally saw every hour, one and then two and then three? You know, there's plenty of studies out there that confirm that, that most people uh, are not getting enough sleep. There was the CDC released one a few years ago that said as many as one third of Americans are not getting the sleep that they need. The University of Chicago around that time showed that we sleep as a, as a people in general one to two hours less a night than we did 60 years ago. But poor sleep is not the only thing that can make us weary or restless. For you, it might be the exhaustion of a relentlessly demanding job, whether it's just your own desire to succeed or to advance or a difficult boss, you feel like you just can't get away. Even when you're out of the office, you're still plugged into something. You're replaying that last meeting in your mind. You're thinking about that unread email, that, that Thing on your checklist that remains unfinished and it's just wearing you out. For another 
this morning, maybe it's your children's schedule and their growing needs at home. You, know, you find yourself just kind of running from one appointment, lesson, rehearsal to another. All the while in the back of your mind, you're thinking about the pile of dishes that are still there from two nights ago or the laundry that's piling up or that unfinished project and you are on the brink of burning out. For others, it might be a difficult season with your health or the health of a loved one. Just when you feel like one ailment has been resolved, another presents itself and you would give anything to not have to see the inside of a doctor's office this month, but your body is failing and you are completely spent because of it. Or finally for another, it, maybe, it's, maybe it's ongoing relational tension. Your spouse just doesn't understand you. Maybe a neighbor that just has a, a years long pattern of, of mistreatment continues to slander. Or a colleague that, that you thought to be a friend has just betrayed you in order to pursue their own advancement at work. We could name so many others. Brothers and sisters, I'm tired this morning. I wonder if you are too. And if you are, what does God have to say to us, to the weary, to the restless heart what resources does Christianity provide to, to the person who maybe is just hanging on by a thread? How do we get access to those resources? How can we find true and lasting rest? These are the questions that we put into our minds as we come to the scriptures this morning. And, and I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews uh, is in the New Testament. It is after the Gospels and a number of the letters that we are familiar with. We're gonna study this morning verses one to 13. I'm gonna read the text in its entirety. You can follow along in your Bibles. It will also be on the screen behind me. Hebrews chapter four, beginning in verse one. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not unified by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest." although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterwards in the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest 
has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and no creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thanks be to God for his good word. Rest, I have to imagine, is something that all of us could probably use a little more of. And the good news of Hebrews 4 is that the author is holding out rest to us like an offer. But the rest he's talking about very particular. This isn't just kind of any old rest. You may have picked it up, but the primary rest this passage is talking about is the rest of God. God's own rest. What does that mean? It's an important question because understanding the rest of God is really the first step in getting our arms around this passage at large. Understanding the rest of Almighty God. We see it all over the passage. You you see it right away in verse one, uh, the promise of entering his rest. At multiple points down the line in verses three and five, God speaking himself, they shall not enter my rest, he says. And then in verse 10, whoever has entered God's rest. So you see the connection there. And, And this is just so curious, isn't it? I mean, God resting? I mean, that that doesn't even make sense, does it? Why would God rest? When did he rest? How does he rest? And the text actually tips us off on where we might look to find the answers. Take again uh, another look at verse four. The author says, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So there we have the roadmap. To understand the rest of God, we actually have to jump in a time machine and go back in time a little bit. Um, well, a lot, I suppose. Uh, all the way back to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3. Listen to these words. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day, he made it holy, because on it, God rested from the work he had done in creation. And so there we have it. God rested upon the completion of creation. And we know, of course, that God being God did not rest because he was worn out from a really long work week, although one could probably argue that it was the longest work week in the history of work weeks, a lot of work, creating the beasts and the fish and the birds of the air and human beings. And so if it's not that, what is it? And, and the simplest meaning of the word rest in the context of Genesis 2 is simply to cease. But there's actually a lot more to it than that. Uh, Just one verse before in Genesis 1, we would read that God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. So at the end of creation, 
God stands back and takes it all in and he says, yes, yes, this is it. Everything is as it should be. This, this is all very good. And that's really the essence of, of what God's rest is all about. It's the completion of something good. God is taking satisfaction in his good work. He's, he's actually taking joy in his work of creation. And so in this sense, there's actually an active element to the rest of God. It's him taking joy and experiencing satisfaction. This is the kind of rest that God is inviting us into, a rest that was so important to God that he actually later wove Sabbath rest and regular rest into the Mosaic Covenant. It was a a marker point to the people of God. In his excellent book that I'd recommend uh, to you, God's Big Picture, Von Roberts goes so far as to, to say that rest is the goal of creation and that God wants us to enjoy the goal of creation, namely rest, and that part of the purpose of Sabbath law was to remind the Israelites that that is ultimately what life was designed for rather than the concerns of this present world. And with that in mind, it is actually, brothers and sisters, worth lingering here for just a minute to think about some of the practical implications and the benefits of rest Because listen, we are living in what is arguably the fastest paced, most overstimulated, always plugged in times in human history. And so for some of us, this is just gonna mean just just taking a step back from the fray of the day to day. It might mean turning off the alerts on your phone for a day or two. Coming from the, the king of checklists, it might mean that one item that is left unchecked can probably wait a day or two. For some of you, get ready, you're gonna squirm in your seats. It's just learning the practice of these three beautiful words. No, thank you. Some of you are already like ready to leave at just, just thinking about that idea, but, 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 but it's very practical. Now for others, this, this is just gonna be more intentional about finding joy, right, and taking satisfaction. We all find that joy and satisfaction in different places. You know, find something that does it for you this week. Take a walk with, with your spouse, find some beauty, listen to a beautiful piece of music, play with your grandkids, watch a compelling film, and, and here's, here's the connection, think on God in that moment and give thanks to him for his creation, for the relationships that he gives you and the joy that comes in rest. You know, last week I spent a lot of time, many hours actually working in my yard. I raked and raked and raked and raked every stray twig that had fallen off the trees in the winter, every acorn that had dropped from the trees, cleaned up the yard. My son Topher and I meticulously put yards of mulch into the mulch beds that had, that had just been framed. I pulled out the last bit of furniture from the shed and cleaned off all the winter dust. And at the end of the day, I could kind of stand back and you might say that everything was just as it should be. I called some friends over that evening, we talked, we laughed, we enjoyed one another in the completion of the day. And then Thursday morning came around. 
And I walked downstairs and looked out over the yard that I had just meticulously worked on and rested over just hours before. And I noticed like these clumps of grass that were like turned over, like these holes in the yard. Probably those adorable majestic deer that are living in the woods behind the house. I also looked at the mulch beds and they had been completely disrupted. There was mulch everywhere. There were like these tracks and all of a sudden I remembered my precious dogs and the way that they steamroll the delicious squirrels of Canfield right up those trees. And there, there was another thing about Thursday morning. My back was burning with the fire of a thousand suns and all of a sudden I wasn't resting. I was not resting anymore. And herein actually lies the problem with thinking about rest only in pragmatic terms. Okay, even, even the healthy and regular practice of rest leaves something to be desired because eventually you have to come home from vacation. Eventually the flower fades and it leaves us asking and wondering if there's any more to it than that. Is there a deeper dimension to God's rest? Something deeper and even more resilient than a good vacation or a blooming azalea or healthy self-care practices. And if that kind of rest exists, how can we gain access to it? And here we have our next step in this journey through Hebrews 4, and that is the idea of entering or missing the rest of God. Entering or missing the rest of God. You know, throughout this passage, we see it straight away in verse one. We have this combination of this gracious offer, but also a sober warning Peek at it again, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. I mean, at multiple points throughout the passage, the author references Psalm 95, Betsy read it earlier for us, where God speaking to the Israelites and their, their bitter wanderings in the wilderness, he swore that they would not make it. They would not experience it. In this context, the, the promised land. Don't miss what so many have missed, the author is saying. Don't harden your hearts toward God. Today is the day, and this warning, brothers and sisters, stands for us today. Whether you have been here for your whole life, just kind of passively sitting in the pews, you can flying in and, and flying out, or whether you're here this morning and you're not a Christian but you've been thinking about the claims of Jesus and the claims of Christianity, let me plead with you today. Don't harden your heart against God today. Make today the day of salvation for you. Okay, Chris, I'm listening. Give me the alternative. Tell me why they missed it and what do I need to do to not miss what so many have missed? And the answer is in verses two and three. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because, here we have it, they were not united by faith to those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. And here is the key that opens the door 
to entrance into God's rest. It's faith, faith. But biblical faith, we know, isn't just kind of some general, generic hope in something better or trust in something better. Biblical faith has a very specific object. And you might have noticed that uh, this passage that we're studying today in Hebrews 4 begins with the word therefore, right? Hebrews 4, verse 1. And all of you astute Bible students know that when you see a therefore, you have to look backwards to find out what the author's been talking about, what he's been referencing. And this is so interesting. I don't think, as I studied this text, I ever noticed this before. But, but get ready to flip left in your Bibles with me and let's trace it back. Because the therefore in verse one of chapter four points us back to a therefore in chapter three and verse seven. You can see it. And that therefore actually points us back to another one at the beginning of chapter three, chapter three, verse one. And that, therefore, points us back to yet another therefore in chapter two, verse one. And before you know it, we're all the way back to chapter one and verse one, which says this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he created the world and this passage goes on and on and here we have the glorious object of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we put these things together, we might say that that entering the rest of God comes through faith in the Son of God. Entering the rest of God comes through belief and trust and faith in the Son of God. And this is exceptional because rest, true rest, is something that Jesus knows a little something about. In fact, in Matthew's gospel, in the middle chapters, uh, chapters 11 and 12, Jesus makes some astounding claims about rest. Listen to these words from the Lord Jesus, Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the context is so important in the midst of the Pharisees' self-justifying legalistic means of salvation that was being imposed on the people. It was a heavy yoke, a heavy burden. Who could keep the law? Who could keep all the extra requirements? Jesus is saying, come to me. And later, he makes the bombastic claim that the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am offering you a rest like you have never experienced before. I'm offering you rest for the soul. And I'm qualified to make this offer because I am literally the Lord of rest. I am fulfilling and will have fulfilled the law and you can put your trust in me. This is unbelievable, we think about this. Rest for the soul, and we enter and access that rest by faith, because it's faith in Christ that says, yes, I understand now 
His work really is sufficient and complete for my salvation. Faith in the end is really just agreeing with Jesus and saying, you know what, it, it really is finished. Jesus really has done it all. I can't earn God's favor and, and you know what, I, I don't have to. I can rest, I can rest in him and in this sense rest is actually an act of faith. And faith, we might say, is an act of rest. John Patton was a pioneer missionary to the New Hebrides Islands. Fascinating man, fascinating story. His mission and his goal was to to translate the Bible into the native language of the people, which at that point in their history had no written form at all. And uh, as he did his work there, before too long he stumbled on a pretty big problem. Uh, And the problem was that the native language had no word at all for faith. It just didn't exist, which considering, you know, the Bible's message (laughs) of faith, that's a pretty big problem. So Patton's got a big problem on his hands until one day uh, he observed a returning hunting expedition. And as he observed the hunters returning from a very long day of rigorous work, he watched as they threw themselves into these chairs and they cried out, man, it is good to stretch yourself out here and to rest. Patton immediately grabbed his pen, jumped to his feet, and wrote down those words, for they had just provided him the translation and definition for the word faith in the native Bible. This is the remarkable interplay between faith and rest and and how entering the rest of God comes through faith in the Son of God, the Lord of rest. Because we know this to be true, right? In the same way that the promised land did not provide God's people the deepest, most inner rest, I don't have to tell you this, but your deepest rest is not going to come from your next vacation. We could all tell stories about how we came home feeling a lot more tired and fatigued than when we left. Your deepest rest, brother, will not come from your next professional accomplishment. Your deepest rest, young person, will not come from the approval and affirmation of an unhealthy codependent relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It won't come from that. Young mom, your deepest rest is not going to come from being a perfect parent, but it will come from your faith union with Jesus. It will, because in him, you have rest for your soul. Think about the resources this provides to you. No matter what is going on on the surface of your life, beneath the surface, deep under the water, you are yoked up with the Lord of rest who has given you rest for your soul. There is great, great freedom and joy and satisfaction in that. That's what it means to rest in him. But it does beg the question, does this deep rest for the soul that we have through faith in Christ mean that we will never again experience unrest or turmoil in this life? It's a fair question, and if you've been a Christian for longer than five minutes, you know that the answer is no. Of course, that's not what it means. 
We still live in a fallen world. We still experience the dissonance of relationships. We interact with broken, sinful people. We're battling our own sin. We experience fatigue and, and, and loss. And so it, it kind of leaves, at least it feels this way, like it, something else, is there something else to, to look forward to? And fortunately, the text leads us on from understanding the rest of God to entering the rest of God to striving toward the rest of God. Striving, persevering toward a future rest. Look again at at verses eight and nine. For if if Joshua had given them rest, which interesting word play, Joshua and Jesus in the original language are actually the same word. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And then on to verse 11, as clear as it can be, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. And so this is where we tap into that that kind of already but not yet dimension of God's rest. God certainly offers us practical Sabbath resources for today that we should take advantage of and practice. He certainly provides rest for the soul, peace with him, salvation through the person and work of Jesus, but he also offers us a future, ultimate, and perfect rest, and this is good news. Again, from Von Roberts, he says, we can experience something of God's rest, even in this fallen world, if we trust in Christ, and as Christians, we can look forward to enjoying it fully in the new creation. And the word strive in verse 11 is so telling. Let us strive. It's so true to life, isn't it? You know what it feels like to strive. And yet this final rest is something that comes through striving, through persevering, a huge message in the book of Hebrews. So there's action and there's movement here. There's anticipation. The NIV translates this phrase, let us make every effort to enter that rest. And how do we know? that we're moving in the right direction? Well, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So if you want to know if you're striving or not, if you're making every effort, look to God's word, but be aware it will not always be comfortable. Wonder if you've ever filleted a fish, you know, a beautiful whole North Atlantic salmon, just got your knife right in there, or maybe you hunters in the room have opened up a deer, not my deer in my backyard, they're busy destroying my yard, but you know what I mean. To get inside the thing, to run it through, to lay it bare, and you see everything. This is what the word of God does to us and for us. It's what the warning of Psalm 95 in this passage is designed to do, to expose us right where we are, which is both terrifying and comforting because it's honest and it's true and it's, the word is a means by which God is using 
toward and for our perseverance, right? For our striving toward this perfect and final rest. And this is a passage of great encouragement, but it is also a passage of sobriety. In verse 13, really brings that home because in the end, God will judge according to his very word. You see it very clearly. Verse 13, and no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eye of him who must, whom we must give account. Every person in this room, everybody who is listening to the live stream at this moment will one day be laid out before a holy God. And we don't like to think about this, but in the end there were really two outcomes, rest or restlessness. Hell is not a topic to bring up in polite conversations, but dear friends, let me plead with you to strive by God's grace to enter this final rest because eternity apart from God in hell can be described in a word, restless. It's the opposite of God's rest. It's the complete absence of joy or satisfaction. But the glory of the gospel is this, and hear this clearly, that on the cross, Jesus Christ experienced the restlessness of hell so that you could experience the rest of heaven. On the cross, Jesus took on the full measure of our sin, the full measure of God's wrath so that you could experience the full measure of God's rest. This is the glory of the gospel. And entering that rest comes through faith in the Son of God. Revelation chapter 14 gives us a final glimpse that is worth looking at because it is, in one sense, the prize. Revelation 14 and verse 12 says, here is a call for the endurance of the saints, the perseverance, those who keep the commandments of God and their faith in Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors. We can experience a lot of different types of rest in this life. Many of them are very good, including the rest that we can find in Jesus Christ for our souls. But for the weary one, let me encourage you today, the day is coming. If you put your faith in Jesus, when you will get to rest. So, to the saints of God, to the skeptic and to the seeker, will you receive it? Will you strive toward it? Will you enter it, knowing that, that our entrance into this rest of God, both today and for eternity, comes through faith in the Son of God, the Lord of rest, our Lord Jesus Christ? Let's pray together. Father, you are so very good and kind to us. Thank you for the, the generosity that you exhibit and show to us by holding out this offer 
this offer of rest. Thank you for the clarity of the warning that you give to us through this passage. And I pray, I plead with you, Father, that there would not be a person who leaves this room today and misses it. I pray that you will stir hearts today. I pray that you will calm anxious minds, that you will comfort saddened hearts. I pray that you would grant the gifts of faith and repentance, that, that, that someone today would, would, by faith, be yoked up with Jesus and enjoy the rest that comes with a faith union with him. I pray for your people at large, Father, that you will give us endurance to keep striving for the person who is just one step or decision away from giving up. Father, I pray that you will embolden them and empower them and then encourage them to keep going, to keep striving and to keep resting in the Lord Jesus. Oh, how we need you and your rest. We pray that you will give it in abundance today in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.